Welcome to After All, the cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. I'm one of your hosts, Ariel Fisher. And I'm your co-host, Sylvia McCann. Welcome to the show, guys. Um, We were not prepared for this week. (laughs) Wow. All right. So this week's episode, episode 13, He's All Yours. Mary must deal with the amorous advances of WJM's obnoxious and very young new cameraman. This is an undersell. Yeah. Like, this this does not really do the episode justice at all, or even remotely capture the... What actually went on. Yeah, it just sounds like he's a bit of a pest, and she's just not that interested. Mm. But not true. Basically, the episode is Lou's nephew, nephew, right? Nephew. Yeah, Lou's yeah. nephew, who's like 21, 22, has been hired as a cameraman and starts to sexually harass Mary and basically kind of stalk her and spread rumors around the station about her being sexual with him. So, yeah, this is an entire episode about workplace sexual assault and sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. And, like, without... Any kind of disguise or, like, it's very open about what it's dealing with. Did did you remember this episode at all? I I can't say. I honestly don't. Okay. Um, It's kind of, when I watch it now, I kind of have a much more, how shall I say, visceral reaction to this it's mm-hmm. like whoa dude this is so not okay on so many levels Mm-mm. but i don't know that i might have had the same reaction 40 years ago no. i might have thought oh you're just an obnoxious little shit and i'm gonna slap you and make you go away mm-hmm. as opposed to seeing it for what it is <laughs> and as i was saying to you before like the idea that this is workplace sexual harassment Regardless of the fact that Mary is, in fact, his boss and not mm-hmm. his subordinate, the, the, the little write-up on the episode says his amorous advances, and there's nothing amorous about this. Nope. It's vile. It's, it's manipulative in the worst possible way. He even lies to her and says that I, have pr- I had problems in college because I'm still a virgin, when, in fact, that's not the case, and nope. he's trying to just get her into bed. And she has absolutely zero interest in this boy. He is a boy, not a man, Mm -hmm. as far as she's concerned. She's much older than him. And um, but the idea that the language has evolved to—we now know this as this has a name. It's called sexual harassment, workplace sexual harassment. Yeah. It it's taken as as a bit of a comedy, like the fact that they frame it really in in you know, a silly, stupid, obnoxious boy kind of comedy who needs to be slapped. Yes. Who needs his, his wrist slapped as opposed to 
Wow. Well, and that's that's even only in the write-up, arguably, because in the episode mm. itself, they don't frame it that way. No, but they don't make it out to be... They don't victimize her. No, but they don't... They, I guess, to your point, they don't exactly... Um, they don't address the weight of the issue at play. No, not at all. No. No. They do deal with, like, it's actually really refreshing that Mary is just incredibly firm yes. about her actions. Like, yeah. It's the first time I've actually seen that in yeah. her, where she says, you know, there's there's no way, like... Like, she's saying, just no. Just no, go away. Like, we even get to, so, Lou has to tear a strip off of him at the beginning of the episode. We don't know it's his nephew at this point. Because he was making a political statement, I say, with air quotes, uh, when shooting a fire at a local building by not shooting the fire and instead shooting a trail of ants on a brick because just two feet away life goes on. Of course, mm. Lou is pissed because, hey, how about shooting the fire that's happening that's part of the news story? So he tears a strip off of him and everybody feels kind of bad. And Murray, it's Murray. I think Murray invites yeah, him for dinner Murray invites to his him. house. Exactly. And he says, no thanks, no, I've got plans. And then Ted says, well, you shouldn't be alone. You should, you know, I've got a manicure. You want to come with me? He says, no, I'm okay, thanks. I'd rather be alone. And then Mary says, well, I was going to invite you over, but and he says, okay, I'll be there at seven. And it's like, okay, you're a little overeager, but you don't really get the, you don't, you, you're not no. prepared for what's about to happen. And he comes over and starts taking off his shoes and is just kind of making himself very much at home very much at home yeah and like he meets her friends and phyllis is there and rhoda is there for a quick moment and then he's talking about how they're not his type but marries his type and is this a pull-out couch is this where you sleep Mm. and just laying it on thick and when she starts saying hey i don't really think this is appropriate and he goes you mean to tell me you actually just invited me over for dinner you invited me up here for nothing and is just pissed and rebuffed and you name it. And you you start to see it's it it like it turns on a dime. Again, you don't yeah. really get the weight of what's about to happen until it happens. And the way he speaks to her and the way he's addressing the situation. And I'm literally just sitting there going, like every five words I felt like My head is exploding. Well, I felt like Belushi in Animal House, just every five seconds. Holy shit. Yeah. And there's and one just, more thing. Oh my god. Hi, Alan, come on in. Alan, I'd like you to meet my friend Rhoda Morgenstern. Hi. Hi. This is Alan uh, Alan Stevens and this is Phyllis Lindstrom. Ma'am. Uh, wait, excuse me just a minute. Call me Phil. Everyone does. I don't. A lot of my young friends call me Phil. Okay, Phil. Some of her really young friends call her Phu. <laughs> Hello? Oh, hi, dear. Yeah. Okay, sure, I'll tell her. Bye-bye. Uh, that was Bess, and she's uh, kind of worried about you. Where is she? She's still at the Girl Scout meeting. You were supposed to pick her up? Oh, for heaven's sake. Oh, nice meeting you, Alan. See you later. <laughs> would you like a drink? Hey, can we see your ID? Oh, I don't drink, but I would like a glass of water. Is that the kitchen? I'll go get it yeah. myself. Okay, the glasses are on the counter, isn't he? Mary, what are you doing? Managing Little League? <laughs> no, he's just he's a, just a sweet kid, and he kind of had a rough day at the office. Uh-huh. How old is he? Uh, uh, 22, 23, I think. I don't know. That's okay. 
Nothing wrong with going out with someone 23. I've done it myself. I was 15. <laughs> I'm uh, just getting some ice. I'll help you. That's okay. I think I can get an ice tray out by myself. No, really, I insist. Hey, where were you when I had to lug my old stove down to the basement? <laughs> oh! Ooh. Hey, kid, keep both hands on that ice tray, huh? I'm sorry, my hand slipped. Next time this happens, I'll press charges. <laughs> oh, uh, what, uh, <laughs> you know that shy kid in there? He's not really all that shy. <laughs> hey, Mary, it, it was an accident. I mean, I hope you don't think I'd fool around with one of your friends, or, or one of anybody's well, friends. Uh, no, of course not, Alan. Uh, no, it just, Rhoda's just overly suspicious. She, she's from New York. <laughs> because if you did, why? No! Hey, no! Come on, sit down, have some cheese and crackers. The funny thing is, she's not even my type. <laughs> well, no, of course she's not. I mean, she's a little older than you are, like I am. Yeah, but I wouldn't mind fooling around with you. <laughs> uh, well, uh, can I take your coat? And your shoes? Oh, I just fell at home. Well, <laughs> good. Nice couch. Does it fold out? I mean, for you to sleep on. <laughs> you know, Alan, I uh, think that somebody may have gotten the wrong idea here. You want me to go home, is that it? Uh, no, no. When, when I want you to go home, I'll say, Alan, go home. I just think that there may have been a... You know... Don't worry. Nobody has to find out. Alan, go home. <laughs> but then you'd be all alone. Yeah, that's right. You don't want to spend another one of those lonely nights, do you? Oh. Well, what are you smiling at me like that for? Because you're cute. You really think that because I'm 30 and single that I'm desperate, right? No, I, I meant that I find you very attractive. And what does age have to do with anything? Well, Alan, I'm really very flattered. But age has everything to do with it. I mean, look, if I were 19 or 20, you'd be... 11 or 12. <laughs> anyway, you see what I mean? So come on, let's have dinner. You mean you just got me up here for nothing? No, no, I just, I got you up here for dinner. Is that nothing? It sure is. Good night, Mary. Uh, it was just He's so vile. He's so vile. And the thing is, they, they, they picked a good actor for the role because... Because you kind of hate his stupid little face? No, because initially, before you know how vile he is, he's a sweet young boy. Sure. You know, he's got that, he's got that nebbish, young, um, innocent... He's, he, he doesn't look like a predator. He looks like a sweet, innocent boy. Eh. And then he turns on a dime. And then this idea that somehow he's mad at her mm -hmm. because she made him come to his apartment... For nothing. Yeah. And she's not even trying to make nice about this. She's no. just like, this is inappropriate. Like, yeah. I don't think this is okay. Yeah. Alan, go home. Yeah. Like, and he's like, oh, so should I go home? Because he starts taking off his shoes. And then, you know, she's like, no, if I want you to go home, I'll say, Alan, go home. And then he makes the comment about where she sleeps and whether or not they're going to go to bed. And like, don't worry, nobody has to know. Mm. And just, ugh. So she, I think, I think that's when kind of the... The, the curtain is pulled back to yes. reveal his entire ugliness. Oh, yeah. His entitlement, his predatory nature, all of it. And, and then the next day, he's telling the guys, you know, his, quote, locker room talk bullshit yes. 
about what is that called? Boys talk, uh, oh, according to Melania. Well, it's 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 boys it's, talk. It's, it's boys locker talk. room talk. Yeah, it's locker yeah room sure. Talk. And that and it's all a lie. And he's making yeah. stuff up. And of course, Ted's eating it up because he's an idiot. And Murray's like Murray immediately shuts it down. And he's yeah. like, I don't believe for a second that any of this happened. So you yeah. need to stop lying. Like he doesn't even need to hear it from Mary. He immediately more, has her what, support. One more. One more. One more notch on the bedpost. One more, no, one more, one more yay for Murray. Yes. Because Murray is a good guy. Because he's fantastic. And then, you know, he, she confronts him in the station because the guys are like, hey, listen, like, Alan's saying this stuff. Mm. And she kind of stops him as he's walking by and is like, I want you to tell me right here in front of, in front of, in front of, I think it's Murray. It's not Lou. I think it's Murray at that point. And, you know, tell me exactly what happened last night. And, and he lies and right to her face to, to save his own face and make himself seem like some kind of sexual dynamo, Mm -hmm. which I'm willing to bet with that stupid haircut. He doesn't have a first clue what he's doing. Hey, that was, that was a fashion haircut in those days. Don't knock, don't knock the haircut. I'll knock the hair. I'll knock anything I can off of his stupid little head. I have relatives who have that, had that haircut. Well, that haircut was nice on other people. And this person, it's bad. Ellen. If you're trying to make us believe that Mary would invite you up to her apartment and then try to come on with you, forget it. That's not our Mary. And then what happened? <laughs> Maybe I said too much already. You're right. <clears throat> I think I'll walk you to the studio, Alan. And then what happened? Good morning, all. Oh, hiya, man. How'd it go last night? How'd what go? Oh, you had dinner with Alan. Oh, fine. Murray, how did you know that I had dinner with Alan? I didn't invite him until after you left. Oh, uh, well, he uh, mentioned something. Oh? Uh, what uh, did he mention? Well, nothing, Mary, nothing. Uh, well, you know. No, I don't know. Well, I didn't believe him anyway. Mary said that. And then what did she do? Oh. Hi, Mary. Uh, Alan, could I see you for a minute? Sure, Mary. Alan, I would like you to tell Murray in front of me exactly what happened last night. I'm sorry. You're right, Mary. I should have kept my mouth shut. It was just dumb bragging. I'm sorry. Bragging? <laughs> Alan, you... Oh, Murray, you... He... I... There... I... I would know it. Nothing. It was... Oh, it continues and it just doesn't stop. And then Mary's talking to Rhoda and Phyllis about what's happening. And it's nice to see that they they show her talking about it. So she's not shying away. No, she's not retreating within herself. She's not trying to pretend it didn't happen or to make excuses. She's flat out telling them exactly what happened. I don't think at any point in the whole episode, you see her as taking any responsibility for his behavior. No. Or feeling victimized in any way, Mm-mm. which I, I, I'm very happy to see. Other than what happens in this scene when she makes a point of just avoiding her own home yeah, because true. he's going to come by. Yeah. So he kept laying it on at work, apparently. And this, we, we get this information by way of the story that she's telling Phyllis and Rhoda that he, you know, was trying to get together with her again and she... And Phyllis and Rhoda are like, well, why didn't you say no? I did, but he persisted, and he said he's going to come over tonight. And she says, why didn't you say no? I did. He said 8 o'clock. 
So he, you know, every single time she has turned him down and stood up to him and said no, he continues to, yes, to ignore her entirely and just push and push and push and push as if she's not saying anything. Mm -hmm. And if she has no autonomy in the situation and no, 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 I want you. So I'm going to have you by whatever means necessary. To the point where she says, so I'm just going to not be here at 8.30 in case Mm -hmm. he comes. You guys want to go and see a movie. And they're like, well, you can't just go and see a movie forever. and Like every night. She said, no, I can go to the opera or go to the theater or go to the ballet. So they make light of it. They do. She makes light of it. But you know that she's annoyed and she's pissed about the predicament that has befallen upon her due to Lou Mm -hmm. requesting that she be nice to him because because he is... His nephew, and and he's no good at compassion and understanding, right. so and he just needs a loving else. hand. Yeah, and then you kind of wince at that point and kind of go, Ooh, no, 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 that's not okay. Handle your own shit. Lou. Yes, handle your own shit, and actually listen to what she has to say because yeah. at this point he's basically making her feel guilty about saying anything, so she doesn't. But as it progresses, Phyllis, uh, Phyllis. Mm. You score another another point. Um, another bad mark against you. She suggests to Mary that the only reason he's interested in her is because she's not interested in him. So if maybe she showed him more attention and was more gratifying and flirtatious with him, he would turn tail and run because, you know, he'd be bound by some kind of interest. And Mary kind of sits there and goes, oh, I see what you're saying. So if I do this... He'll go away. Is that right? And Phyllis says yes. And she goes, absolutely not. I'm never doing that. And just puts her puts her foot down, which is pretty fantastic. It's pretty fantastic and very... It's, it's in character in the sense that she would never do such a thing. Mm-hmm. But it's also very refreshing to see Mary develop a backbone and not say, sure, I'll try whatever you say. Yeah. Or something to that effect. Because up until now, we haven't seen a lot of strength coming from her no. in... in adversarial situations Mm -hmm. but in this she she there's no there's no ambiguity she's like no way not happening no this won't happen she's been saying no to anyone and everyone himself included the entire time yeah you know when explaining to her friends about what's happening and them saying well what about what about what about she says well i said no i did this i put him on now let me tell you the worst part mr grant told alan that i volunteered for the job so you can imagine what Alan thought. <laughs> so tell him you didn't volunteer. I told him. He didn't believe me. He asked me what time I wanted him to come over tonight. So you should have told him you don't want him to come over tonight. I told him, and he said, how about 8.30? You should have told him you wouldn't be home. I told him, and I'm not. I am not going to be home. I'm going to a movie. You want to go? Yeah, I would. He'll only be back tomorrow. What do you plan to do, go to a movie every night? Of course not. One night I'll go to a play and the next night to a concert. I always did want to learn how to play pool. What do you expect me to do, Phil? It's so elementary, I shouldn't even have to say it. But he only comes on when it's absolutely safe, with women who wouldn't ever be attracted to him. Only you, Mary. And me. (laughs) You? When did he ever come on with you? When we first met. I picked up the vibrations when he came on with, hi, Phil, not how do you do, Mrs. Lindstrom. Ma'am. He said, ma'am. Believe me, Mary, if that boy ever thought someone was going to take him seriously, he would run for the hills. I think I see what you mean, Phil. In other words, if I 
pretended to be really interested in him. It, it, it would scare him off, huh? Exactly. Not in a million years. That is the <laughs> dumbest idea. Dumb. All right, Mary, all right, all right. Let people give you a lot of modern ideas on how to handle this. As for me, give me good old-fashioned common Freudian psychology anytime. <laughs> there she is, folks, the sweetheart of Sigmund Freud. <laughs> you are witty, Rhoda. <laughs> you really are. Thanks. How much fun it must be for the other girls on your bowling team. <laughs> Do you find a movie for us to see? Yeah, let's go to the Crestwood. Okay. We're going to the show. I think I'll go upstairs and change. Oh, wait. I want to go with you. I'll wash the coffee cups, Mary. Oh, would you feel great? I don't want to take a chance of being here in case Alan arrives. Mary, you wouldn't think my idea was bad if you read my copy of Post-Adolescent Social Trauma. Well, fine. I will. Lend it to me sometime. I lent it to you six weeks ago. You did? Yeah, and that whole batch of books I brought up for you to read? She figures if you study hard enough, anybody can become a loony. I'll find it for you, Mary. Really, it'll help. Well, Phil, look, I, I appreciate you wanting to help me out with this problem, but I, I, I honestly don't think it'll help. Yes, yes, it will. Where will I find it? You'll see. Marriage as a competition, the liberated female, the creative neurotic. None of these is it. It must be here somewhere. Let's get out of here, Mayor. If she finds out you're still saving your Nancy Drew book, she'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> but he doesn't listen. And then you get to the end of the episode and he's shown up and Phyllis has attempted to, you know, try this psychological tactic thinking that this Freudian take on, dis, you know, dissuading men will work. And he closes the door with her inside. And, like, he's and still really inside the... Her. And that scares her. Yeah. And she says, one more step and I'll call the police. And he takes one more step. So she picks up the phone, doesn't call the cops. She calls Mary because she's upstairs in Rhoda's apartment. But she, and also Phyllis invited him to stay and wait for her. Like, let's not forget that. But I think that was all her, part of her, you come and you stay and you sit and I will try and seduce you and make you run away. Not initially, no. You don't think so? I, I oh. know so. If you're watching the, no, way, you're right. the way she's talking, he she walks in. That. She did that as an afterthought. Yeah. Because he walks in and she kind of goes, ooh, because she's reading these psychology textbooks to try and find the section to show Mary so that she can put this absurd attempt into effect. And so she says, would you like to wait for her? And he says, okay, come on in. And she does the exact opposite of what Mary is hoping to have happen. Mm -hmm. She puts her friend in harm's way, knowing full well that this person is a predator. And sits down with him, and then after admitting, oh, she's not going to be back very shortly tries sussing some information out of him and then decides I'm going to test this out myself. So she right. comes on to him and that's when he <clears throat> goes to close the door and lock them inside and make a move on Phyllis because she made an advance. So he took that at, at face, face value. value. And I wonder how much of that is also Phyllis. I think it's, I think it's kind of a two, a two pronged thing. One is Phyllis wants to test out this this theory and the other is I think Phyllis has her own issues with with her sexual um, um, attractiveness or desirability and has to test it out on the lowest of lows well yeah she wants to still feel attractive and I mean that's a that's a you know a trope that we see played on in a lot of sitcoms where yeah the the married old gal feels a little unattractive so she comes the Mrs. Robinson syndrome exactly 
whether or not she's Mrs. Robinson's age or she's a newlywed. No you matter. Know, it's the same yeah, kind of idea. idea. But so she comes back down, Mary, and he's there and he continues to push and mm. he pushes and he spouts this whole story about being a virgin in college and being inexperienced and how you don't know what it's like to be a virgin in college. And she says, actually, I do, as a matter of fact. Not that any of this matters. No. And then he grabs her. Mm. He full on grabs her. She's trying to show him a little bit of understanding, taps his shoulder, and he wraps himself around her legs and will not allow her to move. And doesn't Lou come and save the day? (laughs) Lou shows up to get him because he was supposed to make himself available at all times as a cameraman and they've missed this big opportunity to cover this new breaking story because he was unavailable and told his his answering service not to be disturbed not to be disturbed so he fully expected to have a sexual encounter with Mary Mm -hmm. so he was so confident in his own ability to to do this to do her to do her and with or without her consent, ultimately at that point, that's what For it sure. comes down to, is yeah. that if she, if she were alone and she wouldn't have been able to say no to him, which judging by the force with which he holds her and she can't get away to answer the door, mm-hmm. he would have let, we're going to call a, I'm going to call a spade a spade. He would have raped, raped her. her. Yeah. And Lou comes in and puts him in his place for evading the job. And then after putting bringing to his attention that he's aware that he was not to be disturbed Mm. says this girl is like a daughter to me. And that, that in and of itself, I'm just going to hold that little line in a little bubble because that's incredibly sweet. Because in that one moment you do get that kind of thrust of defensiveness, that, that protector vibe from him. And yeah, and and you do a lot Mm -hmm. from him. Now he then turns it into, which means if she's a daughter to me, she's your cousin. <laughs> so he's trying to skew it because he knows this dumbass doesn't care if, no. if, if she matters to him. But maybe incest will dissuade this pervert? Maybe not. But like, yeah, he doesn't care. It's just relentless. And that's... It's, a, it's, it's kind of a blunt object hitting you over the head. Completely. It's, it's so not subtle. No, not at all. No. And, I mean, it's just ridiculous. By today's standards. Yeah. It is. But ultimately, I mean, we've already said it. I'm going to say it again. I I wasn't prepared for this episode. Mm -hmm. I wasn't prepared for this kind of a discourse on such a serious issue. What I think what shocks me is how in your face it is. Like I said before, it's a blunt object hitting you over the head. Probably not unlike... Let me backtrack a second here. The the characters, the dialogue, it's still very 1970s. Yes. It's still fairly rough around the edges a little bit. You mm-hmm. expect a laugh track. You expect the punchline. You expect all these things. And the way this is played out is kind of that way. Mm-hmm. It's not subtle. It, the, 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 what they say, how this guy acts with Mary, how the boys in the office react like how ted reacts to this boy's false bragging Mm -hmm. is it's all very it's shtick almost Mm -hmm. and i find that very jarring considering the seriousness of the subject matter but it is still treated in a sitcom um framework yes which is very disturbing it today 
Yeah, I can see how that would be the case. I mean, from I was actually really pleased. I mean, how Mary reacted. How Mary reacted. Very how they allowed so. her to react, and it's kind of, um, you know, we we were even saying that it it the description his amorous advances seem mm-hmm. so misleading and so underselling it, it, the well, it's severity. Such a euphemism. It's such a ridiculous euphemism. Yeah. For, sexual harassment and it was brought to our attention that likely it was something to the effect of you know to get things past the censors and past uh like the various powers that be who would need to program a show like this you would have to trick them you would have to say things because you couldn't say that mary deals with workplace sexual harassment and get that show on the air and yet at the same time i think that that language didn't exist then Uh, yes Exactly, and it sexual workplace workplace sexual harassment most definitely existed, but the language to describe it and deal with it and process it through the channels that mm-hmm. we now have didn't exist. Exactly, and that definitely stands in the way of progress. But wow. I just the way that she handles everything is so great because she never, other than when she goes to the movies, she never positions herself as a helpless victim. She no. never com- she never tries to placate him because she feels threatened. She you can <clears throat> you can clearly see how she sa- how she feels off put. Right. But she stands her ground. Yeah, she she's not she's not a helpless victim. No. She is an annoyed woman who stands on her own two feet mm-hmm. and kind of says, essentially you're a you're a you're a twerp. Yeah, go away. uh, Needs to go away. Yeah, go away. Leave me alone. This isn't appropriate, and it's just not okay. No. Have you ever, you know, we, you know what I've dealt with. Yes. Have you ever dealt with workplace sexual harassment? I'm thinking, no. I'm going to say no, not in a, not, not in that way. No, not in the, like not in the workplace or not in this kind of an extreme, not in, not in the workplace. Keep in mind, my workplace was, is mostly female. Oh, that is, I work in healthcare makes a difference. That's true. And you're not, and not as a physician or as a nurse directly involved with most. No, I've had, I've had people flirt with me. I've had Mm -hmm. male physicians or otherwise flirt with me. Um, which is kind of different, I would say. Like no, no, no more okay than anything else. No, but But. it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's banter that you can kind of go ha 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 and Mm -hmm. laugh it off. And that's the end of that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much that would happen if I were a different person. What do you mean? I don't know how much that would happen if I were less attractive. That's one way of, Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that factor in with it, right? There was uh, around... I really have to start checking a calendar before we start recording these episodes because I'm not sure when this is going live, but we're recording this in October, just before Halloween. And Mayim Bialik released a, an opinion piece in the New York Times about, well, some pretty problematic stuff. Uh, with regards to the Weinstein allegations, and I don't know if you've read this piece or not, but she was talking about um, how she was never really subjected to that kind of harassment in the industry because, and this is where it gets kind of problematic, because she's more modest 
and doesn't place the majority of her sig- well doesn't prioritize Looks. beauty over anything else okay. and, and those were her words I'm paraphrasing but wow. I'm not paraphrasing that loosely right it essentially basically said that if you're you know, if you're dressing a certain way and behaving a certain way, and Blaming. if you're more beautiful, right. then you put yourself in... A, if you prioritize appearance over anything else, then you put yourself in a position of being more at risk. And that is so not okay. That is so not okay. No, not even remotely. No. When I made my comment just before, mm-hmm. it's it's not about the hair, the makeup, the clothes. It's, this is how I was born. This is my face. Mm-hmm. I can't help looking the way I look, and I shouldn't. And it's funny because this is apropos of the niqab controversy that's out there. And there was a whole article in today's paper about that. But you you have... I want to say that there is a... You're at a, a more vulnerable... You put... You're in... You don't put yourself there. You are in a more vulnerable position to um, be harassed or to be flirted with or to be approached if you are more attractive. And I'm not saying that to to categorize or to say this is good, bad, or, or whatever. No, it's just but a statement you, of fact. It's a, it's a statement of fact. You are more vulnerable. Yeah, just like women with larger chests are more are vulnerable. more vulnerable to ogling and to cat calls yeah and and things like groping and, yes. and flat out yes. physical assault so our physical person is a public um you know it's out there in public and men who are unscrupulous will take it upon themselves to take advantage of it mm-hmm um, There's the because it's it's like you you hear that stupid defense from men sometimes of you know well well look at her so yeah exactly they're your breasts not his exactly they're it's not, your body not his it's your it. face not his it's not up to anybody else to remotely touch you nope. or nope. or engage with you in any kind of sexual matter no. manner no matter what you look like but there Never is mind. some kind of entitlement that yeah. comes around beautiful women and men like it's oh well you look that way therefore you are for my consumption uh uh-uh. uh not so no i'm not, not a so. glass of water i am not iced tea you have to ask permission and not even in a sexual manner and i'm thinking about pregnant women and pregnant oh. women's bellies become public property ah that's an interesting i but didn't that true. didn't it's true it's, it's totally true. true it's like and, and, I, and I, I confess to being guilty of and obviously not with total strangers but with even acquaintances who are out to there and you pat their belly like oh when are you do it's so nice blah 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 blah. that's their physical body that i am touching without their permission Mm -hmm. it's not okay yeah you wouldn't do that to somebody if they'd had a little too much food no you know it's just it's no if you have a food baby i wouldn't touch you no and if even if you didn't have a food baby like you wouldn't just walk up to somebody and go and how's your belly today no it's so wrong and it almost becomes even worse when you consider the fact that they're that they're housing a human within themselves that they're trying to protect right Mm -hmm. like it's no longer just a stomach it's so much more it's a uterus it's a uterus it's an incubator it's a it's a creator of life 
Um, but that's, yeah, no, and that's an interesting perspective. Mm. And that does kind of drift a little away from, you know, sexual assault more to a physical assault. True. Depending, or harassment, depending on how you look at it. Um, but it's still, it's, it's still incredibly apt and it's not like. It's interesting, back to our episode Mm -hmm. and the fact that this obnoxious boy, Alan, um, kind of blows off Murray when Murray offers to take him for dinner with himself and his wife. Mm-hmm. He blows off Ted with the mesmerizing manicure. <laughs> um, nice alliteration. Thank you. I, th- I, I just came up with that. But with Mary, it was instant. Yeah, what time am I, am I there? So yeah, we're on a dime. On a dime. She's the woman. She is my prey. Oh, yeah, completely. Uh, I suspect that any other woman in that room would have been equal prey. Probably. Based on his interaction with Phyllis later? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's like, well, you're female. You are fair game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sorry to interrupt. Mm-hmm. One thing that I was going to say before when, when we were talking about attractiveness and, and how you look, and in today's, today's Saturday, in today's paper, there was an article where they interviewed three women in Quebec who wear the niqab. Yeah. And they said it was their choice. It was absolutely not anyone who was forcing them to do this. And it was, it's it's basically for them a show of their faith Mm -hmm. and that they don't want their physical being to be what you judge them on, Mm -hmm. that that they want you as a member of the public to engage with them for other reasons other than how they look. Yes. And I, I, I think that's a, it's an interesting perspective on face cover completely it, it has a whole I, I mean obviously there there's a lot more discussion about that but the idea that you your naked face is out there for others to judge is very problematic i don't remember her name but one of the women who organized the women's march like in dc like the big right. one that happened yeah. after he after it was elected it was elected um she's muslim okay. and she wears a, yes. a headscarf is she the one that, that they made a poster of? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know exactly the one you're talking and about. I don't know her name. And she's a staunch feminist. Yeah. Like, you get... it's For those for those of you who aren't aware, what why we're discussing this particular issue is because in the province of Quebec, uh, they've recently passed a bill without oh, really bill the support 62. of... Bill 62. Without the support of the Prime Minister. Like, he is not no, for this. No, he's not this. on board with this. He's not on board with this at all, Justin Trudeau. But it's... It bans face coverings in any public... When when giving or receiving public services. Yes, which includes taking transit right. or going to the post office, right. which, which everybody with a conscience or an iota of humanity has been calling out as being... Idiotic racist and racist and it's, it targets muslim women exactly because they're the only ones and they and you know they went on to make they were they were tying themselves up in knots to say it doesn't apply to like if you're covering your face with sunglasses or a scarf or all of this other yeah. stuff so what does it what does it what include what does it include let's let's call a spade a spade exactly here. it's uh it's it's very problematic and and one of the things that this article in today's paper pointed out as well is that it's a minuscule number of women, and they, they put it somewhere between like 
15 and maybe up to like 100 women in the entire province of Quebec mm -hmm. who choose to veil their faces. Mm -hmm. Why are you making a law when there are already provisions for um, ascertaining your identity mm -hmm. in cases where it's actually necessary, like when you're going to get a passport, for example. Yes. You need to show that you are who you are. Exactly. Those, those provisions are already law. So mm -hmm. this law is completely unnecessary. It, it makes absolutely no sense. No. And, it's, and it, it exclusively applies to women of a specific faith. Yeah. Almost, almost entirely exclusively. Jewish women only have to cover the tops of their heads. Yep. You have, you know, Sikh men cover the tops of their heads. Yep. There's, there's all kinds yeah. of different religions. Even Jewish men cover the tops of their heads. But with, you know, a yarmulke, which, let's face it, is teeny tiny. It's not exactly obstructing the view of anything. Mm. But it's not... I can't think of too many other religions no, I can't that have any. face coverings. No. There's very little reason. And if it doesn't apply to an ordinary scarf, and if it doesn't apply to sunglasses or then, just regular then glasses, know what it applies to. then it's targeting something specific yeah. and someone specific. Yep. And that's just not, not, okay. Okay not okay at all. The th whether we like the niqab or the burqa or we don't like it is a separate conversation. And that in and of itself, it's, you know, there are so many, I, I should always take my own advice, never read the comments, on a few different articles about this law being passed and people being outraged by it, there have been a few Canadians who have, who have out and out been saying how feminists in Canada have been really selective in what they want to support and where is their support for women in Canada who are forced by the men in their lives to wear to cover their faces and to cover their bodies while they ogle other women or google other women as some idiots have typed <laughs> but it um it's just ridiculous if you think that liberated women of a certain faith in Canada are ascribing to wearing a, a headscarf or a face covering for the sake of the men in their lives. Mm. If you think for one second that it's not like these women who you were talking about, who consider it even an, in and of itself a feminist act to wear the niqab because it forces those that they interact with to focus on who they are as opposed to what they look like. Yeah. That their bodies are for themselves and not for anyone else. Mm. There is nothing wrong with that. And, you know, and, and people likening wearing a niqab to Sharia law Read a book, guys. Yeah. Pick up a book. Yeah, it's not the same. Don't make thing. it. Don't make it so black and white. It's no, not like that. No, not at all. No, and I, and I whether whether these particular women see it as as a, a feminist statement or not, did, that that it didn't go into that. Mm -hmm. But they, the three of them, were very clear to say that they they are not being forced to do this by their husbands. Mm -hmm that it is their choice. Now, they are dressed very modestly. They're covered from head to toe, as most women who wear niqab would be anyway. Mm -hmm. It's part of the overall uh, modest garb of a very um, religious um, Muslim woman. Mm -hmm. but, but they're very clear to say, you know, this is our choice. This is what we want to do. Um, and And... We in Canada, I think, need to defend their right to do so. Absolutely. Whether we like the face veil or not yes. is a different conversation. Entirely. We don't see people objecting to the fact that in the, de in the dead of summer, Orthodox Jewish women are forced to wear long sleeves and long skirts, mm -hmm. and if they're married, a wig mm -hmm. and a hat, mm -hmm. and sweat their guts out. We see nobody talking about that or addressing that, but it's no, but their, their choice. choice. It's their choice. Those women 
would feel violated yeah. if someone said you have to take that off or or it's bad for your health you need to wear sleeveless like as as with women with their with headscarves and with the niqab mm-hmm. and and it's interesting one of these women who was interviewed also said you have you choose to wear a bikini yeah and it's your choice to do so exactly i choose, I choose to wear a headscarf and a, and a face covering, and it's my choice to do so. Yep, you can choose to parade around topless in Toronto. We have that right. Or can. you can cover yourself from head to toe. You can, you know, you can show a little. You can show a lot. You can show it all. You can show nothing. Mm-hmm. It's our right. It's mm-hmm. our body. It's our not choice. yours to dictate with. We choose our choice. We choose our choice. Yes, Charlotte. But that and that kind of goes into. I mean, we've gotten a little bit more in depth. Uh, on the subject but it definitely fits in with this episode I mean I with with regards to harassment and assault I mean I've worked in so many working at a hospital I've had porters come up to me and unsolicitedly start rubbing my shoulders working in a restaurant I've had customers grab my ass I've had you know people that I was serving at the bar look down my shirt I've had people try and toss ice cubes down my shirt I you name it there's been all kinds of workplace bullshit like mm. that that I've been subjected to, and that's not including my own instances of sexual assault and rape. That it it exists and it still exists in a large portion of the industries that women are forced to work in today, or that women just choose to work in. I have friends who are professional bartenders who have toured the world, and they still get it. And thankfully, a lot of them work in situations and in places where they have the luxury of being able to put people in their place. Um, But most people people in workplaces don't. No, and that goes for, you know, like in the service industry, women who have to work at Moxie's. That restaurant should Uh, just be outlawed. It's awful. You have to, if your skirt isn't short enough, if your top isn't low enough, if your your heels heels aren't aren't high high enough, enough, and if you don't have enough makeup on, you get sent home to change. That's awful. I knew, I worked with a manager once who quit working there because he hated having to put the girls through that, mm. the women through that. And that's just, it's, the degradation is atrocious. And other things that Canada is starting to do well, they're going to start, pa- there's a, a lobbying uh, kind of disgust to make it illegal to force women to work in heels in restaurant environments. Yahoo. About damn time. About damn time. I mean, I had to work in flats, and it felt like I was my feet were broken every morning when I got up. Just ask Bob. Yeah. I'd hobble out of bed. It's oh, ridiculous. It. Yeah, it's, a t- it's very tough. I, had to, I, I couldn't help but notice when we were on the plane coming mm-hmm. home from away. Mm-hmm. That, uh, <laughs> come from away. Come from away. That the flight attendant was wearing heels, and I was like, "Yep, what's wrong with you? Like, how can how can this be 2017?" Yeah. But then I noticed once she took off her jacket and put on her apron to start serving, she changed into flats. She changed into flats. Good. Yeah. yeah. And I think I know. I think it's a, there's a a specific line of Calvin Klein heels that have been designed expressly like for flight for flight attendants. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're the ones that they tried to force us to buy when I started working at a certain restaurant. Wow. Yeah, and they're expensive. Yeah. And they make you pay out of pocket for something in your uniform that's going to hurt you and cause long-term damage. I think that that should be a, a whatever the worker the workers' comp or, uh, oh, yeah. you know, uh, labor relations or one of those government bodies that says, yeah, Ugh. I mean, they need to provide you with protective equipment and yep. that doesn't protect anything. No, it causes damage. It causes damage. Like, completely. Yeah. Ugh. But alas, 
here we are. Yes. And Mary has stood up to an aggressor. Yep. And Lou has stood up to an aggressor who finally put him in his place because he made him think he was her cousin. And, oh, God. And the world goes on. And the world goes on. And I think it's, in a way, it's kind of nice to see that, first of all, that she wasn't assaulted as such, that she fended off mm-hmm. his amorous advances, to use their euphemism, <laughs> and that she is strong enough and resilient enough to say, yes, this is a bullshit situation that happened. It's not about me. I didn't cause this. Yes. I was not. I didn't uh, entice this person. It had nothing to do with who she was or how she was mm-hmm. or what she did or didn't do. Completely. So she can just kind of push it away and move on. Exactly. Yeah. And that was refreshing. Indeed. Especially for 1970. Yes. So thanks so much, guys, for tuning in for this headier of episodes. Indeed. It's about damn time. Mm. Episode 13. So next week, on episode 14, Christmas and the Hard Luck Kid 2. So that's a mouthful. Episode... 14 Christmas and the hard luck hard luck kid too say that three times fast Mary is forced to work not only on Christmas day but Christmas Eve too so I guess we're celebrating Christmas next week I guess so that should be fun <laughs> well an early Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you if it hasn't already passed again I am not sure when this is gonna air I have to double check that it might be around Christmas it, my assumption Yes. Given that we started at the same time as the show started. My right. assumption is we're keeping up with the Joneses here. Right. So thanks so much for tuning in, guys. You can catch us next week. Find us on all major uh, social media outlets, of course. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at a frame. No, that's my other show. At After All Podcast. Uh, and you can email us at afterallpodcast at gmail.com. And thanks so much to Mana Superior for giving us a wonderful home. Listen to us on all major podcasting networks. And of course, check us out on iTunes. Click subscribe, give us a rating, and write a little review. Every little bit helps to make us a bit more visible for everyone for everyone else to find us. So we greatly appreciate all of the support on iTunes. And thanks so much for tuning in, guys. We'll catch you next week.